Welcome back to It's Astrological. I'm your host, Lynette Weinerstrom, the founder of Cosmic Moves Astrology. And on this podcast, we talk about astrology, but lots of other things too, and looking at the world and ourselves through the lens of self-care and compassion and self-understanding using astrology as a tool. I'm so happy to have you here. This is another episode with our monthly forecast that I'm doing with my dear friend Dana of Self-Help Witch. We're talking about the astrological transits that'll be happening in March, and we do a really fun deep dive into Pisces energy and what that's all about because Dana is not only a Pisces sun, but she has a stellium of, I think, four or five planets in Pisces. So <laughs> she really knows what that energy is all about, and she has a really interesting take on it. There is a lot going on in March. It is the beginning of a big series of planets changing signs and planets that don't change signs very often changing signs, and just a general shift in the vibe, which is always interesting and impacts us in different places depending on where those signs are in our charts. So take a listen to see what that's all about. And usually I do try to keep the language clean on the podcast just because I know that there's some younger folks that are listening to this. So I do my best, but we do have a couple of very light curse words. So I just wanted to give you a heads up on that in case you have little ears listening. And speaking of little ears, there is some exciting news because Dana had her little baby boy. Congratulations to Dana and her little family. He is just so sweet and so cute from the pictures I've seen. And I know last month I talked a little bit about the membership that I'm launching. It's still in progress. I have not quite nailed down the launch date for it yet. So stay tuned for that. I'm really excited about it. I know things are relatively quiet and it's because I am still working stuff out, having a business and a day job and you know family and all of that stuff. It got to be very overwhelming and that's kind of why I took a step back and now I just want to make sure that when I am putting anything out that it's with intention that it's something that I really feel called to I don't want to put anything out that doesn't really have my full heart and soul behind it so thank you for your patience I love doing all of this. I'm just on my journey to see what the next iteration of Cosmic Moves looks like and that it is of the highest service to you and to me and to astrology. So without further ado, here's the episode with me and Dana. Please enjoy and have a great month, everybody. Hello, everybody. Happy March forecast. Hey. We are not recording this in March, and talking about March is making me very happy because, to me, March is practically summer. 
even though it's one of our snowiest months here in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it's it's usually very gloomy here as well um, here in St. Louis. So I hope that you your optimism makes it so. Like maybe it will just be a beautiful spring moment in March. Yes. Also, I am Lynette of Cosmic Moves. And I'm Lynette from Self Help Mitch. Hi. We are just so happy to talk to each other and to you today. So we are here to talk about the astrological forecast for March 2023. And boy, is there some stuff happening. I, I want to talk about the clam, but I won't. Um <laughs> And if you know, everyone's going to be confused. No, you've got to go back and listen to February. Do yes. some reflective astrology. Listen to February. See what came up for you. And you'll know the inside joke about the clam. Um, <laughs> we can't go down that road. We shan't. <laughs> we shan't go down the clam road. Oh, yeah, but there is, like, honestly, a lot happening in March. And really, for the next few months, there's kind of, like, big, big shit popping. Um, sorry, like, we, we don't cuss on your podcast, do we? We don't, but it's occurring. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> you um, didn't for the February one, so. Okay, good, good. Um, just every other month. <laughs> yeah. We'll take we'll, one month, month off, one month off. Um, yeah, it, there's a lot. So we're going to get into all of that today. Um, well, most of it, because this is, this is not a six-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we like, truly don't have time to talk about everything. So we're going to focus on just like the zodiacal season, energy, the key moments with the ingresses. That's really the big news. And then we've got some key aspects that we'll discuss as well. And it's Dana's solo return. So we'll talk about that too. Whoop, whoop. As always, since last month, we're going to start by pulling a card. <laughs> Here's Dana's favorite ASMR part. Yeah. Why is that hard to say? ASMR. I'm not good at shuffling, so I like to hear other people. So we're going to pull a card, and whether you're listening to this as it comes out at the beginning of March or afterward, um, this card is for you regardless. And take what resonates, leave the rest. Um, we'll just take this as a message from Spirit for the theme and how to, to support us during the month of March. So, Dana, please tell me when to stop. Now. Ugh, trying. Oh my god, love it. <laughs> so nice. Dana and I are both super excited because with all of the action going on in the heavens, it's a lot of energy. So the trine is... A harmonious, supportive aspect. This car, this deck that I'm using is Lily Ashwell's uh, Heavenly Bodies deck, and I just love how she approaches everything. She's super poetic. So on this card itself, it says angelic support, harmony, and perfect flow. So to me, what that says is, without actually reading her omen, that like no matter where you are, you're in the right place. And you have the support of the universe. And Dana, you have your solar return, but you're also probably <laughs> by March <laughs> gonna have a brand new baby. So, I mean, we're talking about some major shifts for you. And like, even though in our 3D form, things might be the biggest miracle you can possibly experience. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. <laughs> like whatever anybody is going through. Anytime we have shifts, it usually means there's some kind of growth going on, which is not easy. Or it's just hard because 
the energy is changing. And as humans, we don't necessarily love change. So to have the support of this trine energy while we're dealing with some of these shifts that happen every, oh, I don't know, 40 years, (laughs) 20 (laughs) years, however many it is with Pluto. I think the message here is like, you're supported and just keep going with the flow. Don't fight it. Just make sure you're learning from it and make sure you're taking something from it, even if it's not always super easy. Mm, Yeah. I love that because it, on many levels, everything you just said, including the card you pulled is speaking to Jupiter, which is the traditional ruler of Pisces and like a big focus of the energy of this month. Trines are like Jupiter. They are Jupiter's Mm -hmm. aspect because like Jupiter, they cohere, they make things easier, they make things work together. And Jupiter, I like to remind people is also about your philosophies and values. And if you can approach challenging situations, not saying that everyone's going to have a challenging month at all. There's not even really a lot that indicates something like that, actually. But if you can have that Jupiterian perspective is what I'm trying to say. Like if you can kind of think about what's here for me, what am I supposed to gain from this from like a spiritual point of view? Embrace that from Jupiter because we're in Pisces season for a lot of the month and we've got Saturn moving into Pisces. So that can be really, really helpful, I think. I think this also ties into what we talked about for February with Venus and Aries and like getting really clear on your values and your philosophy and how you want to live your life because that supports you whether it's in times of challenge or flow to make informed choices does this align with my values or does it not and I think that's something that whether it's like when you're at a cash register at a store and you're like does this purchase I'm making support my values or is it just something that I like want in this moment or it's a book that you want to read or whatever it is, like you can apply that to everything. But again, in these times of big shifts or changes or beginning of new cycles, just having kind of a a roadmap or like a checklist that you can compare against for yourself can be super helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess that might be a good segue into a recap of our Zodiac seasons for March. Yes. You start because this is your homeland. Okay, Pisces. We're in Pisces land. We will be in Pisces until March 20th when the sun moves into Aries. So um, between March 1st and March 19th, we are in Pisces land. And as we said in the February forecast, Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac. So it's very much like the subconscious realm. It is the planets we think about or associate with Pisces are... Pluto, Pluto, not Pluto. <laughs> what? Where did that come from? Um, Jupiter. That was interesting. I, that if was we had weird. more time, I would dig into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Jupiter, Venus, and Neptune, the modern ruler. So what all of these planets kind of have in common is there's something spiritual. And I don't know if maybe Venus, we wouldn't necessarily say that, but Jupiter, for sure, there's like this philosophical, spiritual sort of like connection to something greater that is very Piscean. And then with Venus, it's more about that harmonizing aspect. With Pisces, we're talking about mutable water. So the boundaries are not there. And that allows us to connect and empathize and understand other people on a really deep level. 
And then with Neptune, we're talking about the transcendence of going beyond your bodily experience and dipping your toes or maybe like dunking your whole body because it's Neptune (laughs) into like the waters of your psyche. So this is really what Pisces is all about is connecting with something really deep and, and liminal and subconscious in order to transcend the limitations of ordinary life and for better or for worse. Yes to all. And we were also just talking about how Pisces contains all the other signs of the Zodiac, but it's, it's that otherworldliness, right? So when I think of Pisces as compared to the water signs, like Scorpio is the part of the ocean that like humans can't go into because it's too dark and too much pressure. And it has like all these weird creatures living there. (laughs) Um, Cancer is like the beach, right? The crab can go on the sand or in the water. And it's like, great. And then Pisces is like the ethereal mist that just goes everywhere, right? Like it cannot Mm -hmm. be contained. And for me, I really like the expression of connecting Pisces to the 12th house where it's the (laughs) pre-incarnation. So it's the time where, you know, I believe that a soul decides what it's coming to earth to achieve, what birth chart it's going to incarnate into, all of that stuff. And so it's like this in-between time where you have physically here, like if you have (laughs) wherever you have Pisces in your chart, Mm -hmm. you're connected to the 3D realm, but you also have the ability to tap into that otherworldliness, the mysticism, like everything behind the veil, which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a disorienting yet fascinating energy to to be in so we'll have boy do you have a lot of it (laughs) yes I do and it's been a journey to understand (laughs) it so we're also getting Aries season this month yay yeah what do you love about Aries season tell us well I'm now in our third podcast once again I'm going to mention how much I do not adore January 1st as the new year because Aries season, in addition to your own personal new year at your solar return, is the start of the astrological new year. It aligns with the pagan calendar. I don't even like calling it a calendar. Maybe it's called calendar. But it's springtime. It's the beginning of the new year in terms of nature. So who doesn't love that? And Aries being the first sign of the zodiac is... A time for us to all be honorary Aries, unless our sun is in Aries, and put ourselves first and try new things and take risks and be bold and um, enjoy, hopefully, some sunshine. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I think rebirth is a great word just for the, the season in general and embracing the sun, And your unique sun placement as well. Knowing the sun is exalted, it's that's why it's such a good time for you to embrace your individual nature and like really be about yourself. (laughs) So it's a great time to reflect on your personal sun placement and how you can kind of embody that in your life too. Another opportunity to set goals and resolutions. (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay. And we'll talk more about it in the April forecast because we got, what, 10 days of Aries in March? Yes. Yeah. We'll revisit Aries once we move into. And we've got some some pretty cool 
happenings aspect-wise in Aries. Like, we're going to get a Sun-Jupiter conjunction in Aries, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, on April 11th. So we'll we'll touch back on Aries energy when we get to April. Exciting. Well, should we move into our key moments of the month? We should. Okay. Because there are a lot. <laughs> there is a lot happening. Well, it looks like our first major event is the ingress of Saturn into Pisces on March 7th. What are your thoughts on that? I think that at face value, Saturn is about boundaries and Pisces is about no boundaries. So um, it's an interesting vibe. I think, again, if we're looking at it at face value, you're kind of like, mm. That sounds weird, but you can also think about it in the sense that they can support each other because Mm -hmm. Pisces imagination Mm -hmm. helps create the ideas and then Saturn's structure and foundations helps actually put them into place. A hundred percent. And I felt the same way as you, where at first when I was contemplating on this combination, it seemed very antithetical or like opposite And actually, I think it's more complimentary. One thing I was just telling Lynette before we started recording, I really appreciate how she contextualizes things. And I'm going to try to do that with the fact. You're going to do great. Okay. So Saturn has been in Saturn ruled signs since 2017. It's been in either Capricorn or Aquarius. So it's been in a place where it can be as Saturn-y as it wants. It can set all the boundaries. And, uh, okay, hello, we were locked down with COVID. Like, it can create new perspectives, too, though, with Aquarius, where we can kind of zoom out. So I think what we saw, or what happened was, we did get subjected to that Saturnian restriction. And that allowed us to gain some perspective on like, okay, so what are we actually doing here? And I think you have seen, or at least from where I am looking at things, a lot of questioning, a lot of Aquarian questioning about the structure of our society, and at least in the United States, but globally too, I would I would imagine, what are we doing here? <laughs> Like what, what are the rules? What are the boundaries? Who are they for? So there's been a lot of that heavy Saturnian energy in the air. And now we're moving into Pisces where it's all about the liminal, the unconscious and the imagination. So we need to take what we've learned from Saturn in Saturn ruled signs and now allow ourselves to go into that liminal imaginary space and figure out what's next. Because after this, Saturn will be in Aries, where, as we were just saying, we can start new things. But in order to get that part right, we need to really surrender now, because that's another Piscean theme, is that ability to surrender. Let's surrender to the imagination. Like, what's the best case scenario? What do we want this world to be like? What structures, what laws, what rules do we want? to be in place and how can we bring them into form with Saturn that's what Saturn and Pisces is here to help us do yeah and I really like the theme of surrender Pisces also as we talked about contains all the other signs so it's able to relate and to to be reflected back in the eyes of others and so I think when we're talking about applying 
Saturn to that oneness of Pisces, right? We're all one. I am you, you are me. Saturn gives us the ability to bring that to reality and hopefully dissolve some of that divisiveness that has been going on in a tactical way, not just the Piscean, like, hippie, dreamy, like, you know, which is great. I'm a big fan of it. (laughs) But my dream for Saturn and Pisces is that we are actually able to dissolve the otherness, the me versus you or you versus them, because Saturn is actually building a foundation to create some sort of way that people are okay with not otherizing (laughs) or like separating. A million percent. And yeah, I am now adopting that as my greatest wish for Saturn and Pisces too. I was watching a uh, workshop by Sean Nygaard, who is an astrologer, and he was talking about Saturn and Pisces, and he was really beautiful. It was just kind of um, just like archetypal thinkings, and like, I don't want to, this might sound bad. It was kind of like, the slides were a little random, like, here's this other thing that evokes Saturn and Pisces, but it worked. Um, And he had this like slide of quotes. And one of them was the psyche creates reality every day. And that's a Carl Jung quote. And I loved that he brought that in because, okay, Pisces is the psyche. It's that liminal unconscious space that we all have access to, right? Where we all are the, are one and it's what creates reality. And that is Saturn. And it reminded me that like what we were talking about in February, what you brought up about neuroesthetics when you, what you think becomes your reality, what you think becomes your reality. And when we don't tap into that imaginal liminal space, we are fundamentally disconnected from something so important to not just like having a personally satisfying life, but being able to connect with all of humanity, because that's what connects us to all of humanity. Um, I I feel like I sound like a mad scientist right now. I hope I'm making sense. You've never made more sense to me. I don't know if it's my Aquarius or what, but I'm super passionate about this. And we were texting about this yesterday because Pisces is ruled by Neptune and modern rulership. But the connection between Saturn and Neptune, and therefore Saturn and Pisces, is a lot more similar than people might think. You, Dana, have a very tight (laughs) Neptune-Saturn conjunction in your chart. So this is like literally a part of your DNA. But I just want to share a couple of the quotes that we were tossing back and forth yesterday, because I think they're really helpful for either people like us who are like, yay, the dream, like, let's make it a reality, or people who maybe are more grounded in the 3D world and maybe aren't as connected to the oneness. So the first one I love is by astrologer Caroline Casey, and she says, imagination lays the tracks and the reality train follows. So imagination here being Pisces or Neptune and the reality being Saturn. You can't have anything (laughs) without imagining it first, right? Whether it was the wheel back in prehistoric times or the internet or, you know, whatever. The one I really like and think is relatable for maybe more um, earth, earth heavy chart people, 3D world people is by William Blake, where he says, what is now proved was once only imagined. And I think that it's just a really good reminder for all of us that our imagination is essential. It's not a nice to have. Like having time 
to daydream and to be creative and to not just spend all of our hours scrolling or watching TV or working or working out or, you know, whatever it is that you feel like you have to fill your time with because we're in this like type A go, go, go society. We have to prioritize the dreaming and the imagination as well. Yes. Yes. And the choice we have, I think, with Saturn and Pisces is, and anytime we're dealing with Pisces energy, really, you hear about Pisces being like the escapist. Well, if you are escaped, quote unquote, escaping to your imagination, I would argue, like you just said, that that is extremely fundamental and not a negative thing at all, even though that word escape has a negative connotation. Where we get into trouble is when we don't make time for that, we will find other ways to do it. And that's why you have Pisces being associated with drugs and alcohol and other means of escapism, like having sex with a lot of people or like whatever it is, right? Having any kind of vice that helps you escape the 3D world. I can almost guarantee that if you're in that space, it's because you're not making time to go in and and make friends with your psyche. Make friends. I don't know. This is Pisces shit and I love it. And I, I'm sorry, I keep cussing. Fine. Every other month you're allowed to. (laughs) So I think we have a lot to look forward to with Saturn and Pisces. I think the challenge is if you, again, are not making that conscious effort to go inward and dream and imagine, you might find yourself in that Saturn feeling of loneliness and in mm-hmm. isolation and finding destructive ways to escape. But it's, it's a real opportunity for having productive ways to escape that allow us to create a better world. Remember, Saturn is the planet of time, so he's literally opening the door for us to make time for dreaming. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Was that a single clap? I love that. <laughs> one clap. One clap for No, give me a lot of claps. That was okay. that A+. plus. Yeah, I love that. Wow. We spend a lot of time talking about this. I'm sorry. I told you I had a lot to say. Um, I love it. I, I think it, we got it. Yeah, that was... Goodbye, everybody. Have a great March. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Yes. Okay. The other thing that you're going to hear everybody talking about, probably more than us, (laughs) so I don't think we actually have that much to say about it. Actually, we do. We just have maybe a different perspective, is that Pluto, slowest planet ever, Um, (laughs) probably not ever, but astrologically speaking, he's a slow mover, is changing signs, my friends. This does not happen very often. The last time it happened was when he moved into Capricorn on November 26th. Drumroll, please. 2008. That was a long time ago. (laughs) So anytime one of the outer planets that moves so slowly changes signs, that's a big shift. That is a collective shift that everyone is going to feel. And it's going to last for another how many years? 20 something years? Yeah. Until 2043 when Pluto's going to move into Pisces. Yeah. I don't know why I whispered that. It's very dramatic. <laughs> now, the reason that Dana and I may not kind of feel as strongly about this shift as other astrologers, and my guess is you're going to hear a lot about the age of Aquarius and how this may play a big part in it and it might 
the thing about the age of Aquarius and any of the ages is that I'm just going to pause here because Dana is drinking water out of a giant beer stein. (laughs) It's enormous. It is bigger than her head. The thing about the age of Aquarius is that nobody will actually know when we're in it until a really long time from now. The ages themselves work backwards. And because of the tilt of the earth, we don't actually know when it's going to start. So Maybe it starts when Pluto moves into Aquarius. Maybe it doesn't. What we need to worry about here is what does that energetic shift feel like for us? And where is it happening in your chart? Because Mm -hmm. with these outer planets, when they stop to move backwards or forwards, that's when we feel it the most. And then when they change signs. So we're going to feel a shift. It may or may not be the beginning of the age of Aquarius. (laughs) whatever. But the other thing is, is that Pluto is also going to retrograde. So he's going to be bouncing back and forth between Aquarius and Capricorn, which is where he's been since 2008, until 2024. So as he moves through this boundary between Aquarius and Capricorn over the next couple of years, that's him really like, I think as Anne Ortley says, like, scraping the bottom of the mayonnaise jar like all the work that he's been doing to transform us from the perspective of Capricorn themes of our structure and our achievements and all of that stuff Pluto is a planet of transformation so as he moves backwards back into Capricorn he's like okay I'm gonna get every last bit of mayo out of that jar Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna probably wreak a little bit more havoc (laughs) as I wrap up these Capricorn themes until he officially leaves the sign of Capricorn on November 19th, 2024. So we're not totally done with this Capricorn energy and we're not totally in the Aquarius energy for another almost two years. Yes, exactly. So all of that to say too, like, it's great to think about what it might mean, but don't get too like caught up in it because we're going back and forth. Thank you for summarizing it in three seconds. <laughs> no, no, we needed those dates. We needed the, we needed all of that. But if you're like, all right, so what do I do with that? Like, just pay attention, but like, don't don't stress. I will say though, if you have any placements at the end of Capricorn, beginning of Aquarius, or end of Cancer, beginning of Leo, and then I think to maybe a lesser extent, but still important, end of Aries, beginning of Taurus, and then what would that be? End of Libra, beginning of Scorpio, that would square. You might notice this a little bit more. In particular, I would say, like most, if you've got end of Cap, beginning of Aquarius, Pluto is going to be on top of those placements, so... You personally, if you've got placements there, you might want to just pay a little more attention. So any placements in Capricorn from 27 degrees is where you'll feel it over the next, until November of 2024. 2024. And again, that's not, I don't know if we said this actually, but don't, don't worry about it. Just know that, you know, if you don't have placements there, This is probably not going to be much different for you, but if you do, you might notice it personally a little bit more. Well, the only other ingress we have is Mars moving into Cancer, which is, you know, less of a big deal, but still a pretty big deal. If this other stuff wasn't going on, this would be the big deal. Yes. 
but so the other stuff is going on. <laughs> <laughs> we have a we. That's what we keep saying. Like, there's a lot happening. So, what is the deal with Mars and Cancer? Mars and Cancer is. I don't know what like the right way to say this is because I keep saying like stereotypically, but like at first glance. Mars is probably not the happiest in Cancer. Mars is the god of war, and there's, like, action and passion involved, and then Cancer is like, oh, I'm so nurtured, and I'm home, and I'm cozy. So, like, naturally, those vibes are maybe not, you know, the pair, the dream pair that you would think of. That being said, I think that being passionate about being cozy is great. (laughs) I'm very passionate about being cozy. (laughs) So... If we're talking about the optimistic side, there's the chance to apply those Martian qualities to your home, your family, being cozy. But the challenging side of it is that that Martian energy may just want to go, go, go and to fight (laughs) something. And that doesn't really, it isn't very harmonious with that nurturing cancer energy. Yes, and, you know, I'm going to bring up the the traditional dignities here because it is speaking to what Lynette's saying. The fact that Mars is in fall here, it is not, as Lynette just said, a place that Mars is going to traditionally feel very comfortable in. If we're talking about the sign of the crab that wants to be protected and protective going out and fighting and stabbing and cutting like Mars is want to do. Pinching. (laughs) Yes, pinching, pinching. That's a lot better than cutting and stabbing. (laughs) A little aggressive, but still, I mean, these are Mars significations. So I will say, you know, the people I know with Mars and Cancer, we were talking about this earlier, they are ride or die. They they are your Mm -hmm. best friends and they will not put up with any shit. And if someone wrongs you, they will never forget it. For better or for worse. So there is a lot to say about the loyalty of Mars and Cancer and uh, how, like, caring they can be. And that can also become a... uh, it, it can go too far sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a good thing to pay attention to, you know, your emotions during this time and specifically, like, what is worth fighting for? Mm-hmm. What you find yourself fighting for and is that more... Has that line shifted at all with Mars and Cancer? On the other hand, it might feel kind of nice because Mars has been in Gemini since August of 2022. <laughs> so that just... The sheer change of energy might feel really great for some of us. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and it's there for about two months. So from March 25th through May 20th. So it's not like Mars and Gemini where we had the retrograde and it's been there forever. Again, every time a planet goes through a sign, it's an opportunity for us to work with that unique energy. And I think Mars and Cancer, I just had like a moment where I was like, I guess cancer like the crab does have kind of that innate I'm gonna get you with my claws if you like disturb my home so there is kind of like what we're talking about with Saturn and Pisces like you find these connections that normally you'd be like oh those don't go together at all but you mess with someone's home you mess with someone's family the crab is gonna come get you and that sounds like a threat I'm not threatening anybody (laughs) but (laughs) um I think the the um what is the word I'm looking for? Like, what's the opposite of, like, the shadow side of something? Light? 
But I don't know if that's the right... Like, the... Because I don't want to say the positive side of Mars. Um, like the... I don't know. The positive... The, the, the highest expression of Mars okay. is, like, being motivated and being passionate about something and taking action on it. Mm. And so over these two months, yes, watch out for what Dana was saying, like, conflict with your family or like conflict in your home or being more prone to those types of things but tying it back to the Saturn in Pisces shift this could also be feeling really motivated to connect to others and to connect to the people in your home or to connect to your chosen family so everything is an opportunity I'm the optimist always but I think when we're talking about always having a choice with astrology, like during those two months, you want to lean toward that. I love that. Love it. Great advice as always. And blushing. <laughs> okay. Quickly. We have two minutes. <laughs> we're going to blast through what's going on with Neptune this month. So we do have, you know, the majority of March is Pisces season and Neptune is in Pisces. It's been in Pisces for a hot minute, and we're going to have a few conjunctions to Neptune as well as a square happening the week of March 12th through the 18th, those specific days and events. Mars is going to square Neptune on March 14th. The Sun will conjoin Neptune on March 15th. And then Mercury will conjoin Neptune on March 16th. So you can see that we've got a heavy Neptune moment right in the middle of the month. Lynette, what do you think about when you think about Neptune? Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> I think this ties exactly into those quotes that we were talking about earlier. Neptune is the dream. Neptune is the vision. Neptune is the dissolution of, of boundaries. And yes, because I'm going to be more balanced like you, it can be escapism. <laughs> And I guess that's kind of the shadow side of it. But I think all of these aspects to Neptune are almost like an introduction or opening the door to us connecting to that that Pisces energy that we've been talking about. Uh, oh, absolutely. Especially kind of the sequence of things. Mm -hmm. Like if we think about a Mars square Neptune, well, Mars is in Gemini still at this point. So this is an intellectual Mars who likes to debate and share ideas so that square to Neptune is we might not really be sure what we're thinking. Like we might not even be sure what it is we want to say. And so that might be a good moment to say less. Like <laughs> if you don't know, like go inward and the sun conjunct Neptune, I think is a great moment to do that. It's transcending who you thought you were like giving yourself space to maybe explore a new aspect of your identity. And then Mercury conjunct Neptune on the next day. It can help us bring words. And I would say actually less words and more images because Mercury in Pisces is abstract thinking at its best. It is Mercury in fall and detriment. Um, because it's in Pisces, it's opposite its home sign of Virgo. But again, this is a Mercury that does have strengths. Its strengths are not analytical. They are imaginal. They are liminal. And they are, uh, this is a, a poets, artists. This is a great day to vision board. So all about abstract thinking this week and really embracing the language of archetypes and things of that nature. I love the invitation of abstract thinking because one of the key words for Neptune 
is confusion. But when we actually break that down, it's with fusion. So you're bringing two things together. And when we think about confusion, it usually has a negative connotation of being like, I don't know what I want, or I don't know where I'm going, or I don't understand. But when we break it down to the etymology of it, it's an openness because you're bringing two things together that maybe you've never thought about before. And that's why you're a little disoriented or you're not sure which direction to go. So the great thing about that is that you're opening your mind, <laughs> like you're seeing things in a new way. And that's not always easy or clear. And I think kind of because we have all of this Pisces energy, it's a different perspective to not be maybe worried or intimidated because in this 3D Western world, we always like to have a plan and know where we're going and to just be grateful that like our minds and our spirits and our logic can actually hold two things together that may or may not go together. But like, wow, how amazing is it that we can actually like just do that, right? And then work through it and, and figure it out. Absolutely. So sit with it and be okay with it. it. It's not always easy because as you just said, like our society is not, <laughs> it's like not how we do things typically, but there's a lot of treasure to be found in that. Yeah. And gratitude. Yes. Like, yeah. wow, brain, you can connect the warrior being the nurturer. Like, that is confusing. But we just worked through the concept and opportunities. But I think it's like, not to be the literally the most cheesy, it's about the journey, not the destination, right? <laughs> yes. yes. No, exactly. And you've got to give yourself space to go on that journey. And in this case, that journey is in your imagination. So... Imagination station. Okay, I am going to send the train on a different track. We're still in the Pisces neighborhood. Dana, your solar return yes. is coming up, and you have 12 million planets in Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about it. What's it like being a Pisces? <laughs> interesting so I mentioned last month that I for a long time did not resonate with Pisces energy and there's a lot of reasons for that I think number one is I was reading horoscopes in a Cosmo Girl magazine until like I didn't know I was getting meme astrology basically but the like <laughs> late 90s early 2000s version of that in the back of a magazine and so I just had this very surface level understanding of it Another part of it is that I have stelliums in Capricorn and Gemini, and I think I was sort of living in the shadow of my Libra rising for a long time. So it was hard for me to connect with that Pisces vibe, but I have a really deep appreciation for it now. Uh, I think I'm always going to be trying to understand it. It's very... Um, it's hard to put into words for me, like, what it really is all about, but... I think that it speaks to like my my interest in like psychology and the way people work and the unseen realm and and things like that. So it's it's a really beautiful energy, but I think it's very misunderstood. Yeah, very much so. I'm probably going to edit this out, but when you were saying that, I was like 
It's like when you have a floater in your eye and you like keep trying to see it, but it just keeps moving and you like can't actually ever see it. Like it just (laughs) keeps moving. I think especially for those of us who maybe don't have a lot of placements in Pisces, we all have Pisces somewhere in our charts. It's a part of all of us. Again, we all have that connection to Pisces, but I think for you and for anyone else who has a lot of Pisces placements, you guys may be the only ones to actually understand each other. And even then, that Pisces energy is so ethereal and like constantly changing and moving and evolving and all of that stuff. Like you're never going to be able to grab onto the ethereal mist. It's not like Mm -hmm. the water in the bucket at the ocean that you can be like, Oh, here's the water from the ocean. Like you can never grab fog (laughs) or like a cloud. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that that has been a huge lesson for me because one thing I've always struggled with and really wanted and craved was certainty. Mm hmm especially around what I'm doing, like in my work, which makes sense because, you know, I've got my Pisces stellium in my sixth house. And so there's just always been this kind of like question of like, am I ever going to be sure? Am I ever going to be able to commit to anything? And that's been a really deep journey of healing. But I think part of the lesson in that is learning how to just be present with what is. And that is a huge gift of Pisces too, I think, Mm -hmm. is allowing yourself to just be here now. Mm -hmm. And I think the gift that Pisces gives to those of us who don't have, you know, a strong connection to it is the magic and the reminders to be present and to connect to the other realms and things like that. I think what you just said about your journey to connect with your sun sign is also really validating. I also didn't do that with my Aquarius sun for a really long time. And I mean, kind of similar to you, because I know you have a lot of Capricorn as well. It's that balance of different parts of your chart. So like my Virgo rising was like, I'm a rule follower. I just want to be normal. That was what I like mm-hmm. said in therapy for a really long time. Because I was like, my childhood wasn't normal. My relationship isn't normal. My work isn't normal. My friendships aren't normal. Like, Nothing in my life was like, quote unquote, quote, normal, Mm -hmm. which is so Aquarian. (laughs) I was like, I don't want that. Like when you don't understand it or resonate with it, there's, for me at least, there's like a really strong rejection and like a really strong leaning to another part of my chart. Mm -hmm. So for you to speak to your Pisces stellium in the sixth house, which is again, that natural tension between no order (laughs) and then like literally like your routine and your habits I think just really helps demonstrate how our chart is like our lifelong lesson and if you don't resonate with something when you're reading Cosmo Girl I don't even know if it still exists but when you're like 12 or 22 or 52 or 92 or 102 like our chart stays with us our whole lives and it's it's always a practice, right? It's always a choice to see, like, which part of your chart do you want to work with. And it's always unveiling itself to you. Like, yes. I I, re- I realize and understand new things about my chart all the time, even though it's not changing. Yeah. You know, there's always more to discover as you discover more about yourself. So it's this really beautiful reciprocal thing where you can just go deeper and deeper, but always what it really is for me is a mindfulness practice because you're Mm -hmm. only going to get those lessons right now. 
For me, part of that unveiling and the learning is like the continuous cycles, right? Whether it's annual perfections, like a different house for every year, or it's a solar return and like looking at that chart for the year, or looking at my planetary order and like what the theme is for a given month, whatever it is. We talked about that in the the February forecast, but like with all of this Pisces energy, this may or may not be a conclusion to the podcast, but Pisces being the last sign of the zodiac. Anytime we're talking about Pisces, we're talking about the transition from the end of a cycle to the beginning of a new cycle. Mm-hmm. And Pisces is bringing things together. It may be in a way where you're like, we are all one, right? <laughs> there is no true ending. It's like the Urubus eating its own tail. But that Pisces connection to the 12th house and the the preconception and like the the shedding of the skin into a new identity, whether we're talking about Saturn or any of the the Neptune transits that we're talking about, that Piscean energy is very much the opportunity to say, what have I learned as I've gone through these previous 11 signs and how am I integrating it to become the next version of myself? Mm -hmm. Love it. That sounds like an ending to me though. Like how could we, what else is there to say? I don't know. There's always something to say. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Happy birthday to Dana. And you can find me at cosmicmoves.com, cosmic.moves on Instagram. Dana, where can folks find you? Selfhelpwitch.com, selfhelpwitch on Instagram and TikTok, where I may or may not be posting things. Who knows? You do you. It's Pisces energy. You do stuff when you're called to. That's right. Yes. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next month. Bye. Bye. Are you ready for March? Are you ready for all of these shifts that are going to be coming through? I hope that this conversation helped you to understand what's coming up so you can work with it and... As always, nothing to be afraid of or worried about. This is just like a weather forecast. So you know to bring your umbrella if it's going to be rainy or to wear shorts if the sun's going to be out. And that is why we love astrology because it helps us align with those energies. If you thought this was helpful, if you wrote down any dates in your calendar or looked up your chart and think that maybe someone in your family or a friend or coworker might think that it's helpful too. I would be so grateful for you to share this and with pretty much any podcast that you ever listen to. I would really appreciate if you would rate the podcast either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can hit subscribe to make sure you're always notified on any podcast player that you use. I particularly use Snipped, S-N-I-P-D, because it allows me to connect to my notion and save transcribed quotes of any podcast that you listen to, to be able to basically look up anytime you need it. And it's my favorite and I'm obsessed with it. And you can do that with It's Astrological, which is fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sending you a big cosmic hug and wherever you are, here's wishing you a stellar day. 